Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening why and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school, you're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, MR. Hi, Wilmer. So what's, uh, what's our show called again? Mm, Essential Voices? That's right. Just testing you. <laughs> I don't know why I feel like testing you on the name of our show. I thought it was like a nice banter between you and I. Now, this week we have a double stuffed episode of Essential Voices because we don't have just one essential worker, but we have two. And two particularly special people to me as they are both part of my family. Double trouble. But seriously, this episode is packed with information. Armando Pacheco, your father-in-law, has been a truck driver for 42 years and returned to trucking right before the pandemic. And Nicole Salima, a close friend of yours, is a longshoreman at the port of Long Beach in Los Angeles and helps manage transporting and the shipping containers from ships to truckers like Armando. After hearing both their stories and watching the conversations about the supply chain issues and truck drivers recently, the two careers are intrinsically connected and part of one conversation. Exactly. Both Nicole and Armando are part of the same invaluable web of essential workers who get our most fundamental products from their factories to our stores or to our doors. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, yeah, but not like in a cool way, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so after we hear from both essential workers, we are going to return next week for a roundtable with Mayor Robert Garcia of Long Beach and journalist Christopher Mims of The Wall Street Journal. I never thought I'd be as fascinated by the supply chain as I became after these conversations, but there's so much to learn. And I feel like each week we get a chance to redefine the meaning of essential. That's the goal. 
So for now, let's hand the mic over to Nicole. Her story starts right now. Hi, my name is Nicole Salima, and I'm a longshoreman. Nicole Salima, I should lead with the fact that I know you, and you're like one of my sisters for life. You've been around my life uh, for so many years. And in addition to how wonderful you are as a person, you also have quite an essential job. Can you explain what is it that you do? Yeah. So I'm a longshoreman. I work out of the port of LA and Long Beach. A longshoreman is someone who loads and unloads import and export that comes in from other countries, other ports around the United States. It could be TVs, fridges, medical supplies. So pretty much we bring all of the necessary goods that the United States requires. Take us uh, on a day with you. So walk me a little bit, like you get up in the morning, and then what's your process before you go to work? And then once you go to work? My days actually start the night before I go to work. I have to check in for work. There's like a whole process that I have to go through in calling a tape line and putting in my registration number and making myself available for work. There's multiple jobs that require us to make sure that they know how many people are going to work, I guess you can say. So when I call in, I reserve my spot and then I get all my stuff ready. Then that's when my next day starts. Um, I'll wake up in the morning, obviously get ready, normal morning routine. And then I head to, depending on what day it is, there's a dispatch hall that we go to where we pick up our jobs. There's different companies at our port and they all send the jobs that are required to the dispatch hall to be given out to all the longshoremen. I will go pick up a job at the longshoreman hall, which for me is usually driving a UTR. It's a utility tractor and it is used to pull around cargo around yards or warehouses. And that's usually what I pick up because I like to drive the trucks. Again, depending on the job that I do pick up, because it could change day to day. There's some days where I will be on the same job and some days where I have to go back to the dispatch hall and pick up a new job. But I could be working on a container ship, which means I would carry cargo to and from the ship that come in from other countries. A lot of the stuff that gets to Los Angeles gets shipped uh, across the country as well, right? It's not just Los Angeles, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, it goes anywhere from, we, we get a lot from China. I would say a majority of our imports come from China. That's interesting. So everything is being made over there right now. Yeah. Like if you look at, it could be any object, you look on the bottom of it, it says like made in Korea, made in China. Those things get shipped through our ports, clothes, shoes. A lot of people think that when they go to the mall and their clothes that they purchase are at the mall, that they were made here in the United States. They came in a container from Asia, basically. Pretty much. Wow, wow. <laughs> that's interesting. So you're saying all these things happen, right? The electronics and everything. I mean, so much is coming into Los Angeles and then from the Los Angeles port, as well as multiple ports around California, you know, they distribute across the country as well. And then all of a sudden you get introduced to a global pandemic, something that hit all of us and on levels that we couldn't even comprehend. How did it affect the Ports, how did it change? How did it evolve for you? It was scary. I don't want to say it slowed down. We were actually working a lot more because we had to make sure that these 
necessities that our country was requiring were getting to the people. We had to make sure that if somebody happened to have COVID and they were in a truck, that the next person that came in at night didn't catch whatever, because at that time we didn't know if COVID was airborne, if you know you were going to touch something and then you were going to get it or things of that nature. We were also having to bring in our own personal protective equipment. So you guys weren't provided with masks or gloves or anything that you had to pretty much bring your own kids. Yeah, we brought our own. It was difficult for us. However, we did have to keep moving because everyone still needed their toilet paper. Were you at work or anyone at work that you knew affected by COVID? Yes. So the week of Thanksgiving, my husband and I found out that we had been around somebody that tested positive for COVID. During that time, we didn't have any symptoms as of yet. And then slowly we started noticing, you know, we weren't feeling good. Uh, my husband, Tadao, was having very bad breathing problems. It was to the point where his oxygen was dropping to about 68, which a normal level was, is 92 to 100. And I had to force him to make an appointment. We did like an online appointment one night and he ended up having to go to the hospital for 10 days. While my husband was in the hospital, his three sisters and his dad and his brother all were admitted into the hospital and his dad and his brother were put on a ventilator. And I want to say it was maybe seven days after my husband came home for the hospital, he found out that his brother had passed away from COVID. And then 10 days later, his dad passed away from COVID. So it, it hit our family really hard. I can never forget, you know, these days. Um, th those were very, very hard days to remember. Um, how did you deal with that? I mean, and did you take some time, you know, were you able to come back to work? How did that work for you? Thankfully, I was able to take some time. I depended on my husband and my husband depended on me. But like mentally, I think if it wasn't for us just being around each other and having our family, we would have broke, you know, COVID opened our eyes to what's really important in life. And for us, it's our family. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Essential Voices. I wanted to ask you, right, so we're barely getting through this pandemic. We got introduced to <laughs> now the new variant, and now we're going into another regulated streamline of events, right? And now the conversation of AI and robots are becoming more commonplace uh, in large-scale service facilities, right? So are you seeing automation affecting your work? Yeah, so actually a few of our ports are automated, meaning they run off of robots. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean they run off of robots? Please explain that. Because you're saying a bunch of R2-D2s are just going around being like, people, people, with container to the left. Is that what you're saying? Technically speaking, yes. Yeah. So the job that I do, right? I drive the tractors around, I pull the containers, and I move them around the yard. There's a few ports between Los Angeles and Long Beach that these containers are being pulled around by robots. They are not operated by humans. There's no human driving them. They're fully dependent on Wi-Fi systems. 
So if a Wi-Fi system goes down, what will be the backup? Like, how do they communicate with these robots? From what I understand, we're banking on the Wi-Fi system not going down. So basically, Wi-Fi goes, it goes, we're going we're gonna to take a five because we got the Wi-Fi gap coming over here. Yeah, we're going on break. <laughs> so what does that mean exactly for the union and the workers? That means that eventually drivers are not going to be needed. Is that what it is? And you're just going to have one person distributing monitors and, and putting programs? Is that how it's going to go? Unfortunately, that's the way it's looking. How does everybody feel about that? I mean, what are the conversations about it? I mean, it sucks. Think about it like us as humans, we get paid, we have our families to take care of. These are our jobs. This is how we purchase our homes or pay our rent or feed our kids. And then going and spending our money at a grocery store or a mom and pop pizza shop or, you know, a 7-Eleven, then coming out of our check, right, comes our taxes, goes to the state and feds. These robots don't do that. Uh, The way I look at it, it's going to drain our economy, to be honest with you, because where's all the profit going? The profit's going right back into these companies who are unfortunately not American companies and we're not getting anything out of it. That's how I look at it. How do you feel like the community can support the work that you do? Like, How can we all be more aware of your guys' needs? Is there is there a place where people go for more information or how to support you? Is there conversations about how to take care of the families? I would say just study automation and the economic impact that it has on local communities. You know, like these self-checkouts that you use at these major grocery stores, right? These self-checkouts have taken away jobs from humans that are still needing to feed their families and also give back into our community. You know, it's like, it's a recycle process, right? We using these self-checkouts because we're in a rush or we don't want to wait in line. We're doing somebody's job when this is what these companies are, you know, you, you pay somebody to do the job. I don't come to the grocery store to bag my own groceries, check myself out. Like, that's someone's job, right? One person manning six self-checkouts to me is crazy. I would say just study what automation is doing to, you know, us as a whole, not even us as longshoremen, but our country. What message would you leave to future longshore workers? You know, what would you tell your younger self? I would say just keep pumping. It's a difficult workforce to be in and not necessarily like you got to be strong because it's funny. People are look at me like, you're a longshoreman. I expected like a old grungy guy that hasn't showered in five days, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a longshoreman. And I would say, you know, just keep going because there's going to be days where it's going to be difficult and it's going to be hard, but stay positive. Don't stress yourself out and don't overthink anything. We'll now hear from my father-in-law, Armando Pacheco. Hi, my name is Armando Pacheco. Um, I am currently in uh, Tarzana, California, north of uh, Los Angeles. Um, And I have been in uh, trucking and logistics for approximately 42 years. Thank you, Armando, for uh, for having this conversation with me. Um, you know, you and I uh, tend to talk a lot together. Oh, we um, do. Because you are my father-in-law. 
<laughs> and, you know, I've had the privilege of getting to know you and your family. And in the last couple of years, I've learned to really understand everything that you have really, not just have done and, you know, rose up to be for your family. And, um, but also appreciate something that I, <clears throat> I was in many ways, I was kind of far removed from, specifically the industry of trucks and logistics and all of that. You know, maybe we talk a little bit about how do you get into it and how long you've been doing it? So I started doing it when I was 20 years old. I was born in Tijuana, Mexico, you know, and I grew up in San Isidro for most of my life. I've always been in, very interested in machinery, like heavy equipment and trucking, you know, and I'll tell you, uh, my parents weren't too happy when people would ask me as a child, you know, what, what do you want to do when you grow up, you know, and I, I said, I want to be a truck driver. I, I just had a lot of interest in it, you know, at um, 14 years old, I bought a remote control truck for $75, you know, and my parents thought I was insane, and I still, <laughs> and I still have that. You know, I still have it. it oh, that's it, awesome. it, You know, a toy that I love to play, you know, and, and I still buy toys. You know, I still buy toy trucks, you know, and uh, I said, are they for your grandkids? I'm, no, they don't play with these. These are mine, <laughs> you, know? you know, but that's just the passion that I had, you know, and I got in it when I was 20 years old. I went to a trucking school in San Diego, you know, and I've held my commercial license for 42 years now. In my 42-year career, you know, I've drove trucks uh, long distance, I've over 43, 44 states. And the other 20 years or so, you know, I've been managing trucking companies, logistic companies, uh, third-party delivery companies from Chicago all the way down to the Bay Area to L.A. to uh, a lot of different areas. You know, I'm not sure at what point in time, you know, people realize that I had a potential to train and manage people because of my experience, you know, and I was able to take basically the trucking experience that I have so many years out on the road and mentor some of the new people that were interested in that industry. Almost the next generation of, of truck drivers, yeah. Exactly. I've traveled all over the United States, but again, it's something that I was very passionate about. You know, I thank God that at 20 years old, I was able to fulfill that dream. And to this day, you know, 42 years later, I... I'm still very passionate about it, you know, about to venture into uh, a, a whole new career. I'm, you know, I've I purchased a truck, you know, I have it on order, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go back on the road for a few more years. Yeah, you know, you know I, I, want, I, want, I wanted to dive into that a little bit, too, because um, it's so important to understand what is a day in a life, you know, and what will be your routine? What's the day in a life of, uh, and this is before the pandemic. So you get up in the morning at what time and, you know, what happens throughout the day? Again, started driving in 1980, you know, in a day in a truck in 1980, you know, these trucks were um, not what they are now, you know, it would be like you jumping into a car that's, you know, 60 years old, you know, the comforts are not there, you know, so it was a very rough uh, life, but enjoyable. And we would get phone calls, you know, and say, hey, your load is ready. You know, at the time we were taking product from Mexico and bringing it into San Isidro there. And from there, we would jump. And sometimes we would pick up the product in Mexico. And uh, at the time, I was transporting roofing material. And I would take it to Northern California. You know, normally from here to Sacramento, we would do about eight to nine hours from, from San Diego, you know. And I was, you know, stop along the way and have some dinner, you know. What was and your dinner like? 
So dinner back then at the truck stops was great. You know, you pull into a truck stop, and I think back then there was a lot of respect for trucking. You know, you pull into the truck stops, and literally the part of the restaurant would be sealed off for truckers only. There were signs that literally said truckers only. Oh, that would be like your section. That yeah. was our section because, you know, we would get served immediately because, you know, it was, it, it was about time. You know, you only have so many hours to drive a day. You know, so they would not make you wait. You would get in there, you know, and order your food and, you know, and then jump back on the road and arrive somewhere um, in the Bay Area or sometimes it was in Oregon, you know, and uh, spend the night. These trucks had sleepers in the back, you know, and, and you spend the night. And back then the trucks, again, were not that comfortable. You know, we would wear like, a, they would call it like a kidney belt, you know, for your kidneys, kind of like the ones you do for weights, mm -hmm. you know, because the trucks would bounce so much. You know, it affects your kidneys. A lot of truck drivers have kidney issues. Wow. You know, and you literally would attach a belt real tight, you know, a big white belt real tight to your kidneys because the truck would just be jumping so much on the and highway. And everything would be just Oh, yeah, your whole body would just shaking. Yeah. You know, so a lot of truckers have, have issues with kidneys. You know, obviously now the trucks are very modern. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like driving a car. Right. I mean, literally the comfort is incredible, you know, but... Um, so then we would get there and sleep for three, four, five hours, you know, and uh, they'd wake up in the morning. Um, they, you untie the load and you, you drop the load and call the boss and the boss would say, hey, you got to go to, you know, don't, at that point in time, we're picking up lumber. You know, so we go into Oregon or into uh, Lake Tahoe and pick up lumber and, and bring it back to, to Mexico. Mm -hmm. So almost uh, 40 years of that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, again, it, you know, uh, thank God, you know, the, the times changed, you know, and the trucks got very comfortable, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we went away, away went the belts. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Essential Voices. When did you start noticing that the trucking experience started changing? You said that, you know, some of the stops, you know, some of these things started going away, you know, the, 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 sec the trucking section and all that stuff. So the trucking section, I, I mean, stuff like that, it, it literally, I mean, pr prior to, to the pandemic, you know, you would still find truck stops. You know, there's states that, um, believe it or not, that have a lot of respect for the industry, you know, because a lot of the industry is, family is part of that industry, you know. And I, I mean, the Pacific Northwest to me is one of my favorite places to travel because there's a lot of... Uh, families that are part of the trucking. They really respect your, your, your profession. Absolutely. They do. You know, you'd pull into a rest area at two o'clock in the morning, you know, in the middle of nowhere off of Highway 97 up there heading up to Oregon, you know, and there'd be some uh, gentleman out there with a coffee table offering you cookies and coffee, I mean, in the middle of the night, you know, and that's very few states that I've experienced that, you know, and the Pacific Northwest is definitely one of those states you know, where you would pull into the truck stop and go to sleep, you know, and, um, and they say, what, where, where you parked at? You know, what stall are you? I said, I'm over there in 14. He goes, okay. He goes, uh, what, do you want me to wake you up in the morning? And I said, yeah, 4, 4 a.m., 3 a.m. And they come knock on your door with a cup of coffee. You know, I mean, wow. that's the kind of service that, that you would get back then. That's so awesome. That's amazing. So, so now we fast forward decades of that experience. And then in comes in a little friend we called the Pandemic. And the pandemic decides to just challenge everyone's sanity. I would love for you to maybe tell us how did it evolve. So when you started driving a truck, what did you notice that all those things changed for you? So, um, the timing was not the greatest, but then again, it was for me, you know, because I was doing what I love to do. 
you know, and uh, when the pandemic hit full force, um, of course, the whole industry changed, you know, everything changed. And it was very challenging because um, everything, you know, shut down, you know, so the industry, you know, manufacturing and everything, you know, so all of a sudden you have, uh, I mean, on a large scale, you know, but we'll say a hundred trucks, you know, and, and 50 of them were doing manufacturing, you know, picking up manufacturing. And manufacturing means like wood and steel and stuff like that. Right. Anything that has to do. And those factories are now closed. Exactly. Now these factories are closed, you know, so, so now you have 50% of those trucks, you know, not knowing where to go, you know? And so now you, you, you got them all coming into anything that's essential, right? Masks, facials, paper towels, paper, uh, toilet paper, mm-hmm. everything and anything, food, you know. And it, it, it became a nightmare all of a sudden. You know, it became a nightmare because uh, first we went into a, a downslope, right? When, when it hit, everything shut down. So then there was the workload dropped, right? It dropped like 30%. It dropped and everybody's like, you know, well, where are we going today? What are we doing? And it's like, well, if you want a day off, go in and take a day off. You know, those options were there because nobody was sure what was going to happen. You know, and then all of a sudden it opened up, right? Uh, you know, all the companies started opening up. So now you would go pick up a load, you know, that would take you an hour. Well, now it took you six hours because that other 50% of trucks were sitting there waiting. Everybody jumped into that. And I was super, super proud to do that. You know, it's an industry that I that I love and have uh, very passionate about. You know, and I was all all into that. You know, but everybody was putting signs over the bridges, thanking truckers. You know, and but then you would go into the warehouses to deliver the product. You were not allowed to go into the warehouse to use the restroom, to use the facilities at all. You know, you'd have a porta potty sitting outside, and there'd be twenty to twenty five trucks. Using one porta potty, you and know? then you're telling like you know protect yourself, wear a mask, and you know, and then you know 100%. don't get COVID. By the way, you're not allowed to take COVID because the products. Hundred percent, you know, and it was very frustrating, very very frustrating because even up to six a couple months ago, you know, it was still the same way. You know, you have you have nowhere to use the facility. You know, the the restaurants shut down at the truck stops. It was all fast food, you know, and it was very frustrating trying to to work under those conditions, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, trucking has always been a thankless job, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but if every truck shut down in the United States for four weeks, everybody would be out of essentials and every, everything would be run out of the days. fuel, everything, everything would be out. All right. Cause fuel is yeah. brought to you by a truck. Absolutely. You know, so everything was shut down, you know, but it's been such a thankless job. So, and then finally when the pandemic hit and we were being thanked for, for risking our lives out there, I thought, finally, there's recognition of this, you know, and to everybody. And again, I just does, you know, the people that load the trucks, the people that receive the trucks and everybody that works in every industry out here, you know, that's been essential from day one. Mm-hmm. They never stayed home. Right. You know, they risked their lives to go and work every single day. You know, all of a sudden, the people that nobody thanks became the heroes. They became the heroes, you know, that, that we, were, we were moving everything, you know, and people were bagging your groceries at the store. Once again, you know, they didn't stay home. You know, they risked their lives to go home to their families every day as we did. And, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we became the heroes, you know, and my hope is that 
one day nobody loses that, you know, loses of everything that took place during this pandemic. Who, who was out there, you know, providing for everybody? What you were saying, Wilmer, is so true. How people just assume that the work Nicole and Armando do just gets magically done. It was jaw-dropping to hear about all the unnecessary risks and hard-working conditions that these folks go through, especially when you think of how quickly society would crumble without their work and without them. And I'm lucky enough to count these essential workers amongst my loved ones. I mean, so I can appreciate firsthand what so many folks, I guess, really take for granted. I mean, I feel like understanding where our products are coming from and how they get to us is just becoming more and more relevant not only due to the pandemic, but also rising gas prices and geopolitical tension. I feel like every day I see a new headline that brings what Armando and Nicole were discussing into larger focus. Absolutely. And on that note, next week we'll continue the conversation with Mayor of Long Beach, Robert Garcia, and Wall Street Journal journalist and author of Arriving Today, Christopher Memes. Essential Voices with Wilmer Valderrama is produced by me, M.R. Raquel, Allison Shano, and Kevin Rutkowski, with production support from associate producer Lillian Holman, executive producers Wilmer Valderrama, Adam Reynolds, Leo Clem, and Aaron Hilliard. This episode was edited by M.R. Raquel and Sean Tracy and features original music by Will Rosati. Special thanks to this week's Essential Voices, Nicole Salima and Armando Pacheco. This is a Clamor and WV Entertainment production in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.